And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Turkish for health to your hand, which is uh, hmm. said to someone who has created something beautiful. Uh, that is in honor of one specific clutch performance in a weekend chock full of them. I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me is Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? Feeling great. I'm, I'm really enjoying this turkey sandwich. We had turkey last week. We're going to have turkey next week. It feels good to be here. I'm the cranberry. What are you, Rob? <laughs> Uh, I am all in on the most decadent stuffing possible. Uh, just like this race was stuffed with action and plenty of meat for us to dig into. Where were all these puns when we did the Cars <laughs> podcast last week? We couldn't get a one car pun out of us, and here we are, just on fire with Thanksgiving puns. <laughs> uh, if you are uh, new to this podcast, a very warm welcome, just as warm as an oven, perhaps, um, <laughs> with a turkey inside. If you are new to Formula One itself, uh, we've got a uh, an episode just for you, our preseason primer episode, number 96, assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explain how the sport works and who everybody is. Uh, also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons covering racing documentaries like Pixar's Cars, uh, <laughs> F1 video games, primers for their series, and a lot of weird things. So if you want to get access to all of that stuff and support the show, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click a link in the show notes. Danny, you've already said what's been going on this month. Uh Anything else? Yeah, well, one half of it, because we had Cars coming out is already available. If you're on Patreon right now, you can go check that out. And we're also uh, recording another one this month, because we were one behind. Uh, can I say what it is now? Sure. Are we okay to... Awesome. We are... Uh, the, uh, we're, we're swapping from four wheels to two for the wonderful Motors, uh, MotoGP documentary hitting the apex, um, which uh, we I feel like we've talked a lot about on this, but mm-hmm. haven't actually reviewed yet. So that's going to be um, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's especially apropos this year because the MotoGP season has been weird and wild. So absolutely, this is a this is a great, um, a good uh, a good doorway into the world of two wheels. I think. Speaking of weird and wild, I have something I need to get off my chest. Is it okay? okay? I, I, I something became very clear to me when I was watching mm. this race, um, and you may think that I have a tinfoil hat on. But I think if I if I lay it all out for you on the board on the on the the, the pin board. You, you will also see the light. You'll see where I'm coming from. Okay. Um, I've done a lot of work on this, but I'm just going to give you four dates, okay? And you okay. can take from this whatever you, if you, if you want. You can let it go or you can, you can you know, take the, the, pill, the blue pill with me or the red pill. I'm not quite sure. First date, October 14th, 2020. Istanbul Park takes unusual steps to rubber in track. Pirelli's head of motorsports racing in Formula One, uh, Mario Isola, says the tarmac was for sure quite old, but this doesn't mean it wasn't good for racing. The result is basically very little grip. It's, uh, it is not a drama, in my opinion, because it's an additional challenge for drivers. Um, it was a decision we have to accept, but it's done, so there's very little we can do. Let's go back. August 25th, 2020. Formula One to return to Turkey as four more races are added to the 2020 F1 calendar. Okay. Nothing, nothing too crazy now. Mm-hmm. March 23rd, 2011, a quote from one, Bernie Eccleston. I thought that maybe at the beginning it was a little crazy to suggest the use of sprinkler system on F1 tracks, but it's surprising how much uh, support uh, that idea is getting now. Providing we do it so nobody would know when it was going to happen, like when it rains, I think it would make for a lot of entertainment. And the final date, gentlemen, 
the final date that pieces all of this together. April 21st, 2007. Bernie Eccleston buys Turkish GP <laughs> circuit. It took him 13 years, guys, but the madman did it. He did it. Read the signs, people. Uh, yeah, the truth it's right is there. Out there. Um, <laughs> wake up, sheeple. Look, he couldn't get the sprinklers. He figured out a different way to make it happen. I am glad you you brought out this bit, Danny, because here's the thing. <laughs> I was watching this race and I was sitting there being like, at some point, we need to recognize that Bernie Ecclestone was right about what Formula One needed. I was watching it and I was like, oh shit, sprinklers would rule. Like sprinklers <laughs> might just fix the sport. It was so good. I've never watched a race like this. It was it was tiring to watch because just the drivers were just con- it was oh, like even Quali ruled. Fuck yeah, yeah. Quali was great. I I had never seen such a slippery track. Like this is this is not just a wet rainy track. It's different. This is <laughs> and we should we should emphasize here. Um, if you looked at F one news coming out of this race weekend. There were a lot of drivers who hated these conditions, and mm. you had George Russell being like, that's not what F1 is supposed to be about. Uh, I think Hamilton, prior to winning the championship, was like nagging the track pretty hard. But here's the thing. Don't listen to the haters. Uh, the sprinklers are good. The sprinklers let F1 be more interesting and maybe a better test of skill. And I think we just need to embrace it and stop rejecting it just because it, sound cor- it sounds corny as hell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think we we've mentioned this stuff in jest, but and like you know, uh, Formula E, you know, their their crazy experiments with things like fan boost, like just more more chaos, M- make it more like Mario Party. <laughs> so here here is the thing: like seriously, we talked about this the other week. Um, F1 is racing in so many places at a time of year it is not normally racing at. Yeah. And I think really if I'm looking at like lessons I'm drawing from this, it is that this model of like trying to make F1 really predictable in terms of lots of warm, dry race weekends uh, with, with tires tuned for hot days and warm tracks, etc. Um, I think it has made the sport less interesting. I'm reminded of... Something I read from a football uh, correspondent from a, from a beat reporter talking about how in the NFL, most stadiums now have gotten away from using real grass. And increasingly now when you see a new stadium built, it's indoors or semi-indoors, a way to make it a more predictable surface and maybe a little more amenable to the way football is played now. But the argument this person was making was that football is really kind of a boring game if everything goes to plan. If, like, receivers can always trust that they can make their cuts. If the footing is always good. Like, it becomes a very rote game. You kind of see the same game again and again. Football is at its best when people are trying to overcome conditions and adapt to them on the fly. And I think this is kind of what we're seeing with this, this weird, like, fall Formula One season we're getting as they stay in Europe while the weather is getting colder and rainier. And suddenly I'm like, this feels, not only does this feel good, this feels maybe a little bit more like the F1 of yore and the F1 that kind of lives in legends, um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to what has felt a little more uh, predictable and a little bit more like a a sport of endless summer. And Mm. at times, like at Abu Dhabi, almost like an indoor sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if if you're... If Formula One is about finding the best 
car and driver cars go in a lot of different conditions like this is kind of kind of exactly what uh the world rally championship does like if you if your car wins the world rally championship you've driven on snow on gravel on tarmac on dirt like everything like you have the best rally car on all surfaces at the end of the season so and nobody has learned that lesson more than lightning mcqueen We covered we covered this last week when he tried to drive on dirt. He couldn't even drive on road cars because his headlamps were stickers. Yeah, turn um, right to go left. Uh, please, please support <laughs> us on Patreon. <laughs> Is that uh, a political statement? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm endorsing. Uh, not only am I endorsing horseshoe horseshoe theory, but I'm also endorsing <laughs> accelerationism. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Uh, if you needed any other indication um, that the this, the race conditions or the the weekend the track conditions this weekend uh, and, and qualifying were absolutely bonkers, uh, mm. listen to how they lined up on the grid, starting in the back. Uh, George Russell, um, he wow. and Pierre Gasly were at, <laughs> yeah wild right uh, required to start from the back of the grid for additional power unit elements. Um, Russell we talked about also... Gasly's for a second. <laughs> Did you hear about what happened, Gasly? No. They took his car apart because they were going to replace right. a bunch of stuff. And then they decided halfway through that they actually didn't want to. And so put his car back together. But then the stewards were like, we can't tell if you've replaced anything or not. Oh. So we're just going to give you the penalty anyway. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, bummer. Uh, George Russell and, um, let's see, who was this? Lando Norris also penalized during qualifying for uh, not respecting yellow flags. There were a lot of yellow mm. flags in qualifying. It was red flag for 45 minutes because of rain. Um, they restarted uh, and then Grosjean beached it and then another red flag. So uh, all kinds of yellow flags flying all around. Those two got penalized uh, five places. Uh, but in 18th spot, Nicholas Latifi, then Grosjean, uh, Kvyat, Carlos Sainz in 15th. He was also penalized three places for impeding Perez. It was a wild time. Um, mm. There's Norris in 14th, Kevin Magnussen in 13th, Charlotte Claire and Sebastian Vettel in 12th and 11th, Antonio Giovinazzi in 10th place, both Alfa Romeos in Q3 for the very first time. Yeah. Valtteri Botas in 9th. Out qualified yeah. by Kimi Raikkonen in eighth. <laughs> then we've got Esteban Ocon in a Renault. And then uh, world championship leader Lewis Hamilton in sixth place. Mercedes just did not have yeah. the pace in, in qualifying. Struggled qualifying. all week. All week, even practice as well. Really struggled. They just couldn't get those tires to work. Yeah, he missed uh, getting eliminated in Q1 by four tenths. <laughs> it was not a wide margin. Um, Daniel Ricardo is lining up fifth, both Renaults in and amongst the Mercedes. Uh, Alex Albon in fourth. You'll note I haven't mentioned any racing points. There's Sergio Perez in third. Max Verstappen in second and out qualifying the Rainmaster, Lance Stroll. The first yeah. non-Mercedes pole of 2020. It, so much of this race and this weekend depended on whether or not you were on the right side of favor with the tires and the racing points certainly were um, in qualifying and they were pretty pacey during practice as well and the Mercedes at least on those short stints were not um, all weekend so it was uh, yeah very interesting but he, he deserved it it was a solid lap from from uh, from from the boy especially because uh, for pretty much his entire Formula 1 career he has sucked at qualifying 
Uh, <laughs> and here he is, uh, it, you know, always been pretty good on race day. Um, but he put it on pole this weekend. Yeah. Um, very happy in the, in team radio. It was nice to hear. Yeah. Uh, before the race started, a few weird things happened. I did not. I, so I started, uh, right, almost right before I watched the pit lane channel. So it starts like pretty much right before the, tra- uh, uh, the race Giovinazzi spun, I think getting to the grid. Uh, yeah, and then I went back and watched this. It was, it, it was like, it was turn. I think it was that nine ten. Although they were referring to it as ten and eleven sometimes, so I can't tell mm. where the where everyone changed there. But uh, yeah, the, the one before Four Rouge, I think it was there he did it. Okay. I think, um, but he ended up uh, hitting the wall. The front wing got loose, and they picked him up while he was sitting in the car and rotated him, put him back down again, and then did told him to drive really? off. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. So it's a great on. I went back and found video of it. There's a great on on camera shot of him. Um, uh, looking around while he's being like <laughs> rotated <laughs> through the air, probably not that high. By a crane, yeah. oh, that's great. Yeah, um, by a crane, yeah. And Russell crashed in the pit entry. Is that right? Oh, I didn't see that one. Uh, I may have misheard, but uh, I think he messed up somewhere did on a, the did the, a Hamilton. Right. Um. The, uh, the other few things here. A lot. Uh, we're starting on uh full wets here because the 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 race is it's raining it's very wet um a lot of rained. laps yeah. yeah i don't think it's is it actively raining or if it i has, don't think it's it raining just ended? anymore okay yeah and, and then this just track is just like keeps it retains water like they had normal cars driving overnight did you see the videos of that yeah they had like rental cars just driving the circuit trying to get rubber down <laughs> yeah um and uh the other thing about this is because qualifying was so wet every like a lot of laps have already been done on um and you only have a, a certain number of wet and intermediate tires so mm. um if we're gonna be if it's gonna be wet all the way through you're gonna go on to some used tires perhaps um but everybody is starting on full wets also known as extremes extreme wets um except uh the williams on the intermediates mm. uh and gotta as, try something as we know uh you do not have to follow the um multiple compound rule if you use a wet tire uh hamilton must best botas by eight points to win the championship as we go into this race do you want to take us through the start danny sure i got a lot of notes for lap buckle up Uh, so uh all eyes on um uh lance stroll up front who has a, a a decent start um verstappen has uh looks like he has a good start and then just totally bogs down a couple of the drivers started in second gear max started in first and struggled to get that little bit of grip at the start it was the worst um, start I've, I've seen where the car actually moves i think yeah, it's a really bad start and it just gets worse like it's yeah. not like he has a bad start and then you know the curves are different and he gets overtaken as time progresses his start seemed to get worse yeah over the course of the you know he was just getting galloped by everyone yeah yeah completely um a couple of people had some good starts and a couple of people had some bad starts and there was also multiple crash incidents. So apologies in advance if this bounce around a little bit. Uh, Hamilton got past two cars right away uh, and gets down the inside of uh, Danny Ricardo. Um, this puts Ricardo in a bit of a nasty spot where he has to sort of take a little bit of an avoiding action on that uh, left-hander, um, unfortunately tapping his teammate. So Okan spins, sends it out to the, the, the runoff area there. Either as a result of trying to avoid that or just because he was the only person who took a wider line, uh, Bottas also slipped um, in that same spot. 
Uh, they're all crawling around the lap. Um, Hamilton in that sort of turn 9, 10 area, the the one before the, the back straight with the DRS. Um, apologies last week as well. I didn't realize they'd put a second DRS in uh, for this weekend. Um, he spins on that turn 9 and gets overtaken by uh, Verstappen, Vettel and Albon. Uh, Latifi overtakes Bottas on the straight while Bottas is getting back on after turn 3, further back in the lap. He overtakes him on that straight and then just spins onto the gravel, you know, uh, for, it just didn't have grip trying to get down to turn four or whatever it was um, out of nowhere. So Bottas overtakes him again. Then Bottas overtakes Leclerc. And then as he's trying to break into that corner, locks up the brakes and crashes into Ocon for what Ocon thinks is the second time because he got hit and when he got spun on turn one the only car he saw was Bottas also spinning <laughs> so he goes on the team radio and says Bottas two t- two times crashes into me unbelievable um, although that actually wasn't ha- I don't think they actually touched at all uh, first time around he thinks he uh, pulled the torpedo exactly right uh, Ocon gets a puncture so has to go back to the pits um, and in all of this uh, Ricardo had a decent start but the great winner was uh, Sebastian Vettel who had a great start Hamilton had a good start too, but Vettel had an amazing start, uh, ended up being in the right part of the track, uh, you know, getting out of the way a lot of these crashes and where other people had to slow down. And I think he gobbled up maybe six places or four, four, at least five, I think, um, on that opening lap. But man, was it stressful to watch that first lap. It was like watching a bunch of toddlers trying to walk for the first time. Yeah, what what stood out to you, Rob? Uh. Yeah, just completely bizarre conditions. Um, <laughs> I think, like, things that jumped out uh, for me is part of it just seems to be visibility. Uh, and this starts to see, like, this becomes an issue as the race picks up pace uh, on lap two. I, I think one of the issues that Verstappen has is that uh, in the in the wake trail of these other cars, you literally can't see anything, uh, which I think makes already difficult conditions like the cars are not sure-footed, and then I think you have a lot of drivers who are starting to get a little bit panicky. Um, in terms of the, the, I guess the thing I would be curious about is um, Ocon getting spun there. Uh, did he misplay that? Did Ricardo uh, misplay that? Hamilton's just kind of a passenger for for that part. Like he's just there in the middle of uh, of that of that Renault sandwich. But I'm curious. Um, you know, if you feel like did someone did someone botch this uh, in, in your eyes? Yeah, I I have the I have the sense that on the if you're if you're on the outside of the first turn on the first lap of the Grand Prix, you're probably it's probably a good idea to use as much of the outside as possible <laughs> because you don't know what's going to happen up your inside and you, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and I, when I, I can't, I'm trying to remember when it was, but in my mind's eye, I can remember this happening to Akon before where he just doesn't, he's not in the wrong spot, but he's not helping himself. He's yeah. not given enough space. And it kind of felt like that. Like they were all kind of on top of each he, other. He took um, a shallow line and yeah, he wasn't supposed like, there's no way he could have known that Hamilton was making this really aggressive dive up the very inside. Um, so sorry, I had that wrong. He was, he was diving up the inside and Ricardo was kind of in the middle, but like, I think Ricardo was, was kind of stuck. Uh, I think Hamilton was probably forcing the issue a little bit. 
But there was space. Um, yeah. It, like, not an, not an ideal line, but there was no ideal line around that corner. I, I, I just, when you see these first, these first corner incidents sometimes, I get baffled a lot that drivers don't play outside a little bit more just to be safe. Um, like, oh, I'm sure Okan didn't know somebody was back there, but at this stage of the race, in a race like this, seemed like a thing that you, you could probably anticipate. Um, worth noting that DRS is not enabled on lap three as it usually is, uh, for safety mm. reasons. The track is just so slippery. Uh, everybody though pits for intermediates, uh, around laps, uh, or between laps eight and 12. Um, Vettel has kind of a slow stop, unfortunately, which drops him from third to fourth behind Verstappen. Very few good um, stops in this race, to be to be frank. Like yeah. I was, it just, you know, I think we're all used to seeing uh, stops coming in around uh, between two and three seconds a lot of times. And here, I saw a lot of ra- uh, like a lot of stops, like comfortably uh, breaking three and a half, heading into four. Yeah, uh, and I do wonder if that's, you know, were they having to do a little bit of extra maintenance during these stops, where like maybe you have to wipe some surfaces off? I don't know. Nice, uh, but it doesn't seem dirty? like anybody. Those cars got so dirty, didn't they? Yeah. Like, I I never seen cars collect dirt. Like, I wonder if that would had a problem, maybe just a little bit less grip on the on the nuts or something. I have no idea. Well, there was that conversation about like there being resin on the track, uh, in addition to ah. it being a new surface. But like, I think part of the new surface, uh, like resurfacing a road does leave a resinous uh topping at the you know at the, at the top of the surface so i don't know maybe people were having to wipe down uh aerodynamic surfaces i don't know but uh mm-hmm. to your point drew uh i think this is the first of many stops where people have a pit strategy and just the way pit dynamics were at this race didn't like very like there were not a lot of uh great pit stops that i saw mm. yeah and a lot of them i feel like are are probably I mean, uh, usually, um, you know, uh, tire performance has something to do with when you come in for your pit stop. Um, but this, this is, uh, like we alluded to earlier, it's a little different because sometimes the tires work, sometimes they don't. So sometimes, you know, someone with the same age of tires is plummeting through the field as, you know, uh, an equivalent driver so yeah, um I, I feel like I, even more so you're you're watching lap times here and 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 waiting to uh, uh to pull the trigger and also weather is a concern and there was there was this added like new layer of strategy that appeared which was the rate at which your tires degrade because you had it so if like it seemed like in early parts of this race when they were degrading maybe evenly the inters were at a certain amount they were basically evolving into slick tires, but later in the race, we come to realize that when the inters were getting out there, when it was a little bit drier, they were actually just like shredding a bit more. So mm-hmm. they weren't like gracefully aging. So, yeah. But nobody knew any of this when we were starting. It was like this whole, it was really fascinating for the to see the teams make these judgment calls with massive ho- holes in their, in their data. Mm-hmm. Um, Lap 13, Giovinazzi pulls over with a problem, so we get a, a virtual safety car for a few laps, uh, which means those tires are going to cool and lose grip. Hamilton is in fifth, who's right behind uh, Vettel, uh, and Hamilton's got DAS, dual-axis uh, steering, so he is presumably using that to keep his tires warm. And when we restart, Hamilton goes for it on Vettel, uh, but goes wide, 
allowing Albon to take fifth. So uh, it's not a it's not a done deal for Mercedes by any means here. Um, and as we've seen in the in the past, Mercedes uh, is not exactly one of those teams that carves through the field. Their their car, it has been said, has been designed to run at the front. And uh, here, Hamilton um, and and Botas are, are right in the thick of things. To that, uh, I think here at lap sixteen is I think, the second of my notes where Botas has a spin, but at a certain point, you just stop seeing them. Uh, they stopped showing Botas spinning out during this race because he was having such a bad race that it stopped being an event that the like directors were cutting to. Uh-huh. And it was just like, yes, somewhere out there on the track, uh, Valtteri is uh, losing the car again. I think this is the worst race I've ever seen him have. Um, yes. That, like... Just and I understand that uh, apparently there was some damage to his car. Again, there was apparently there was a little contact lap one. Uh, it may have unsettled the car, and in these conditions, maybe that was decisive. Nevertheless, it was very funny hearing. I think during qualifying, the commentators talking about how well surely Raikkonen and uh, Valtteri, both you know experienced rally drivers, will uh, excel in these conditions. And Raikkonen, I think maybe you could make a little case that that he did. Uh, but Valtteri, you can definitely tell that this is a guy who spent most of his career in good F1 cars running closer to lab conditions because uh, he just seemed to have no feel uh, for this car in quality or during the race. It's funny, isn't it? It reminds me uh, as well, you know, not to make a... A judgment call off two data points, but he was similarly, you know, spinny in Germany. Remember when he lost that lead last year? Like he he he's not as confident in the rain as some a bunch of the other drivers. Which you know, when we think of our stereotypical Finn, they're usually pretty good at, uh, at correcting those mistakes and finding the grip. And it just seemed like he's not really that comfortable with it. Someone who does appear pretty comfortable at this point, um, Alex Albon, at lap seventeen, he gets past Vettel. Uh, for fourth place on the inside of turn seven and immediately starts closing the gap to Verstappen, who was kind of stuck behind Sergio Perez. Mm. Um, Verstappen in third looks like he's lining up a move on lap 18, but goes wide as they round a corner uh, into some of the slippery stuff and spins, Uh, somehow avoiding hitting anything. uh, He then pits for new intermediates and uh, rejoins in eighth and uh, giving Albon third place. And then Albon is from then on lapping about three seconds faster than the racing points ahead of him. And at this point I am crossing my fingers like Albon, please just keep (laughs) it clean, man. Yeah. And a hard race to try and hope for that to happen. Yeah. Verstappen just lost ahead here. I don't know what he was doing, trying to overtake he was lining up too early for like he he basically like tried to get around them almost on on that faux rouge as they call it that little right hander um but like in slippery conditions with that visibility with a massive like slippy outside of the turn there that's a risky maneuver to do uh he's lucky he didn't bin it in the wall i think actually his skill probably stopped him from binning it in the wall Mm -hmm. but considering how close he was to perez and he was coming up on the easiest overtaking spot on the track it was just like what are you doing? It was a really vivid illustration, too, of how quickly that, like, uh, losing the draft and entering the dirty air, the wash, uh, coming off someone's car, 
can unsettle you instantaneously because it was like the minute he began to pull out for that move. Uh, you see the yeah. the car sort of slip away from him, and a similar thing had happened, uh, you know, on lap two when when he was trying to get uh, get up toward Vettel, where he sort of pulled out and got on the curb. Well, there he got on the curb that probably unsettled him, but uh, yeah, Verstappen, I think this was also one of his weaker races in a while. I think part of it is. The 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 thing the thing I observed uh, is that he just seemed very impatient throughout this race, mm. and instead of letting the move come to him, he was trying to carve through the field quickly to get in contention for a victory. And I understand where that yeah. comes from, but uh, you know this is one of the quintessential uh, slow is smooth, smooth is fast type conditions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This was a real hair on a tortoise situation. It's worth mentioning the, just how like angry and crestfallen he seems post qualifying as well, where he kind of had the run on Albon, but didn't, didn't, couldn't, couldn't get it to work. I think he maybe went wide or something on one of the final laps he put in, but he was, there was videos of him like Lying down beside a bin, not being very happy um, with himself. Uh, not super chuffed, I think. Um, also not super chuffed, Valtteri Bottas. I think lap 22 is his third spin of four, maybe, in this race. Uh, lap 26, Norris barges by Russell for 11th place, which Russell yeah, messy was one. not very happy about. Um, and then at halfway through, it looks like this. Strolling first. Um, leading Perez by three and a half seconds, who is 3.3 ahead of Albon, who is 1.3 ahead of Fettel, who's 1.2 ahead of Hamilton. So uh, this isn't over by any means. A little rain is on the radar. The track is drying a little, but as we mentioned, Turkey does not have the drainage that most uh, tracks that... Um, Got a lot of cooking wet weather juices, you know? <laughs> yeah, Right. Uh, so everyone at this point is kind of holding out to see if they can pit for dry tires, um, yeah. which are this is amazing. This is amazing. This is called first, yeah. It's like the all they're all lined up on the diving board and they're waiting for somebody to jump. Yeah. <laughs> this part I thought I think this is one of the um, I would have expected the pit wall for anyone to do this a little bit better because it's really interesting how many people were sitting there convinced that at some point this track was going to be ready for slicks uh you know here in my i have a lap i have a note like lap 30 uh stroll this was where stroll was starting to complain about what was happening with his tires and like he had his team like telling him well we're just holding out for the transition point and a lap later um mercedes asked hamilton what he thought what he thought the life of his tires was and I think they also asked if there was going to be, if he felt like where he felt the transition point might be. And Hamilton responded immediately. He was like, I don't think there's, I don't think slicks are going to work at all today, to be honest with you. Uh, and this was probably like, this is one of those decisive moments, I think, for this race for Hamilton. Like he had halfway through this race when a lot of other people are still sitting there being like, okay, we just have to time the transition to slicks really well. Hamilton's already recognized this is not that race and basically comes up with a counterintuitive strategy pretty early. 
yeah, he, he hit the nail on the head. It was it was fascinating seeing the difference between the pit walls and some of the drivers when they were clearly not, you know, thinking about about putting slicks on at all. And yeah, we talked about it last week again. Hamilton's ability to just have that real zoomed out ver- view of what's going on is you know part of the reason why he has the amount of championships he has. Yeah, uh, around that time, DRS is enabled, and then. Leclerc is the first to blink here and pit for intermediate tires. Um, possibly looking for the undercut on Verstappen, who's uh, just ahead of him in eighth. Uh, and then starts setting fastest laps on those intermediate tires. So everybody else basically decides to do that. Um, lap 32, we get a uh, battle pack here for sixth place with, with Ricardo, Signs, and Verstappen. Ricardo goes a little wide at the chicane, and Signs pounces, uh, doing well to defend from Ricardo's comeback. Uh, and and then lap 34, Albon spins mm. uh, and rejoins, seating uh, third place to Lewis Hamilton. I think this was turn seven. Um, yeah, I think Albon then, so. then I thought it was pits. four. It was either four or seven. I couldn't tell because yeah, they only showed four. it on I'm replay. Sorry. It yeah. is four. It's as you're coming down off the hill, which I think is the problem. Like those sort of like uh, sudden dips are just hell on bad tires. Um, but you know, again, which we'll see later in the race. Yeah, I mean, look, mm. Albin, the nightmare of Albin is there's always a decent explanation usually. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, uh, he 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 then pits for intermediate tires. Lap 37, uh, Lance Stroll, out in front, is losing pace to Sergio Perez right behind him. So they bring Stroll in for a new set of intermediate tires. Uh, As you mentioned, um, he was reporting uh, some laps ago that his fronts were gone, I think as early as lap 21. Um, But this is where his unraveling begins. Like when they gave him the call. And they told him to box for enters. Immediately he was on the radio going, why, 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 why? And it was like, I, I think at that point, the, maybe the last thing they told him was they were holding out for a transition point. So he's sitting there wondering, like, why am I still going to be on enters uh, if we're yeah. if ultimately we're going to end this race on slicks? And but, why why did we wait this long to do enters again? Yeah, but like it's just it's just one of those things. Like he is in the lead of a race uh, and has a real chance at winning it, maybe like for the first time in his career. And I think the pressure of that and the uncertainty of a strategy. Uh, just starts to get to him here. But like this is sort of the, for me, this is where it starts to go wrong because he has been uncomfortable on these aging tires for a few laps, but he also sounds now uncomfortable with the strategy that they've elected to run for the rest of the race. And also seems if he's, if he was confused about the strategy because he thought they were going to go to dries, I do kind of wonder what's your race feel man like this this is not that like dry stop trying to make dries happen uh, at least here at lap 36 <laughs> i i also got the feeling i listened back to some of the racing point radio stuff i don't like the way his engineer communicates to him i thought that he was like weirdly snappy and confrontational with stroll in a way that's like the dude's right driving a fucking race car at like this speed in this wet and he's actually like he he'd raced a good race up until that point and it felt like some of the like just he feels like exa- he sounds exacerbated sometimes the the pick guy doesn't he doesn't instill confidence 
And I think in that scenario where you have a young driver and their strategy was kind of all over the place, I feel like that's like, you know, it feels it takes two to tango and it felt like maybe both of them were losing their steps at that stage. Somebody yeah, like needed to fill in the thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He also, uh, when he got, when Stroll got pole position, the guy was just like, uh, that's P1. Like he wasn't like, hey man, you got pole position. Yeah, he was like, I want to hear you say it. Remember he said it. He was, like, he was to, like, he told his to engineer what to say. As my race engineer. <laughs> uh, yeah, Stroll rejoins after pitting um, in fourth place behind Verstappen, who um, he, Verstappen has pitted twice uh, after that, yeah. that spin. But Hamilton and Perez um, up ahead um, have one less pit stop. So, um Verstappen probably will have to pit again because his tires are much older, but who knows in this race? Um, Hamilton, though, is eating up time to Perez in first, uh, despite the fact that his tires are five five laps older uh, and gets by with DRS um, easily. But again, both of them have only pitted once back in the beginning of the race for intermediate tires and have 21 laps to go. Mm. Uh, one driver who has been hanging around in uh, all of this is one Sebastian Vettel. With the wet weather, the Ferrari's power deficit is neutralized. And, you know, as we say a lot in, in wet races, skill then comes into play. And after that marvelous start, uh, Vettel has managed to keep himself up toward the front. On lap 40, he is in fourth with Stroll just behind. Uh, Stroll does get a run on him without DRS, but goes way too deep into the corner and not only loses the place to Vettel, uh, he gets um, he loses one to Leclerc uh, as well. Leclerc had just overtaken Verstappen in the DRS zone as well, so he got into a very high scoring positions in the space of you know 400 yards or something. Worth yeah, noting at this that's... point, Stroll had already complained about graining. I think once, yes. maybe twice. Uh, so like literally, he like he drove that car out of the pits and immediately thought the tires were degrading. Um, I don't know enough about inter- like what you're supposed to do with intermediates in this condition to say, like, is there some sort of tire management trick that Stroll was supposed to be doing that he just wasn't? Um, and, and Botas. Yeah, well, Botas, I have no idea. Like, yeah, he was ha- Botas was having trouble across the board. But, uh, yeah, whatever happened with um, with Stroll and his tires here, I don't totally get it, but like at this point, his race is just going to continue to come undone on him because yeah. he can't he can't get the tires under control, and he starts making mistakes like this um, ill timed run at Vettel, which I feel like the chicane here was absolutely like just singing a siren song to drivers, totally. being like you can yes. you can make it stick, give it <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> Yeah, and Leclerc had a really good view of what happened here, so maybe some a lesson that he also could have taken with him for the rest of the race. Well, one lap later, Leclerc does breeze by Vettel uh, with DRS into fourth place. Verstappen uh, ahead is still on those old intermediates, and Leclerc gets past him uh, uh, again with DRS. Uh, lap forty-three, Latifi retires with a problem. Um, was this Latifi after? Was this after he crashed into Grosjean on the yeah. blue flags? <laughs> Is that what <laughs> happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He left past. Uh, I think it was Ricardo. He had two cars to leave past, but he said his window, his mirrors were too dirty or something. But his his engineer did say to him, "You're clear after Grosjean." But when Ricardo went past, Latifi kind of like 
got a bit squirmy and Grosjean like was trying to go around the outside of him on a turn and he crashed into Grosjean oh, and then Grosjean comes on it's, it's actually very funny because Grosjean came on and he's like he's like so upset he sounds like he's crying almost he's like oh man the fucking guy he fucking hits me and then as he's on the radio and he, and he's getting back on the track he spins oh. <laughs> like unforced and, and he goes ah and he's just like I can't do anything on this fucking track or so it's just is a very good um, uh, onboard of the whole thing, but uh, I think maybe that's when Latifi retired. Oh boy! Uh, after Verstappen gets past, he then pits for more inters, rejoining in seventh, just ahead of Stroll. Um, the question now is: Can Hamilton and Perez make it thirteen more laps on those ancient tires, um, with Leclerc chasing them down? Signs is also on a charge he's in sixth place and then gets by albon for fifth on the inside uh his teammate norris gets by ricardo on lap 48 for ninth uh and he's really switched on he's starts setting fastest laps shortly after that um and then <laughs> lap 51 back at turn four raikkonen uh who is a back marker and verstappen both spin uh at turn four the same place albon spun <laughs> Which is good for Albon because he's running in sixth place ahead of Verstappen. Uh, but Verstappen's new tires are no match for Albon, and he gets by uh, one lap later into sixth place. Uh, lap 52, Grosjean then retires, um, maybe as a result of uh, Latifi contact. Um, and then, yeah, Norris gets by Stroll on lap 56 for eighth as Stroll continues to struggle um, on his tires and goes wide. And then... Uh, yeah. Hamilton yeah, but- and here is where remember like in these closing stages Hamilton his only question is are these tires going to explode on me the way they did Silverstone basically that's right, he's like yeah. are you sure these tires are not going to blow and the engineers the one thing they seem confident in, in is that they're at least not going to explode are they still inters in the technical sense of the word probably <laughs> not but in these weird conditions maybe that's a good thing uh, but Mercedes brought the pit crew out and wanted to pit That's Hamilton, right. and he waved off. He like refused the uh, you know refused the directive and waved them off, and was like, "No, I'm gonna, sorry, guys, I'm just going to finish." It was just like something dicey. out of like a sorry one. Uh, no. I mean, it, it would have been it would have been close uh, if he, they would have pitted. I, he probably would have lost position. I think. Well, and the, well, the worry that they had as well was that the um, entry to the pit lane was quite wet, and in a sort of a speed racer. Roy of the Rovers kind of moment. Hamilton on the brink of, you know, clutching his seventh uh, world record tying championship remembers how he lost his first one in 2007 by binning it on the entry to the pit lane in China. And I took Um, that personally. Yes. So as he's like about to pit again and there's a slippery entrance to the pit lane, he's thinking, you know what? I learned that lesson 13 years ago. I'm going to keep going. Um, and uh, he literally referenced it, I think, in an interview after the mm-hmm. the race as well. Um, so he decided to, to stay out. He stays out, uh, and with one lap to go, Leclerc is just behind Perez. And again, the <laughs> sirens start singing. He goes for it. <laughs> he, he passes, but locks up while defending and allows Perez to retake second and his teammate Vettel to squeeze into third. Uh, Leclerc is furious with himself uh, over the radio. But, like, I think you're right. Like, he, it's there. You got you to go for it. 
but he did mad though he's yeah. he saw him do it it's it so many drivers today ricardo uh norris uh, uh so many of them just like uh albon rather um did that exact same thing it's like a it's like a bet it's like double or nothing you know either yeah you either get the, the position or you lose two <laughs> yeah but um hamilton sticks it out he and perez both finish the race on those ancient tires mm. um Sebastian Vettel finishes in third, having taken that spot from Leclerc on the last lap. Uh, and Hamilton's tires are basically slicks as he rolls in. There is almost no intermediate tread left. Not down the center uh, line. Yeah. That where the tire touches the ground. Yeah. Um, and he he sits in his car for a while and is just, I think, you know, uh, overcome with uh, emotion. Vettel is the first to come up to congratulate him, give him a handshake, uh, speak to him a little bit, he says, after the race. Uh, I, I told him, this is Vettel speaking, I told him it's very special for us because we can witness history being made today. He is the greatest of our era for sure. Emotionally, to me, Michael will always be the greatest, but there is no doubt Lewis is the greatest in terms of what he has achieved. Which is something else to say as well, you know, for somebody like Vettel, who's basically the, you know, at this stage now has become the sort of second, the the the, the Nadal to his Federer or whatever, you know, it's a... Uh, you know, it's it, very interesting. There was a great little bit, bit, actually, I'm not sure if this was during the broadcast, but there was an interview, might have been the post-race, where Vettel was, they were saying, like, is he the best of all time? And he's like, and I was so, it was such a, cover your kids' ears for this part. It was such a funny answer, he said. He said, I don't know, I can't say. He's like, you know, when we think about how do you compare someone like Lewis Hamilton and Sterling Moss? It's like, if you put us in those old cars, we would we just shit our pants? <laughs> like, would we be able to drive them? And if you were to put, like, Sterling Moss in one of our cars, would they be able to go in them? Because they go so fast. Like, uh, yeah. it's, a, it's impossible to compare. Yeah, I think there's there are ages in which the comparisons just break down because motorsport's so different. The, the cars were, were so different. When you're talking about these old F1 greats, you're talking about a different sport that really bears mm-hmm. no resemblance to the sport as it existed after 1979. And you could also say that the sport's been very different since, like, you know, 2004. Uh, you know, it's it's just a moving target. But I think the thing I'll say is that Hamilton could not have asked for a better race to demonstrate why these championships yeah. still are very much earned. Like, if you had, if you were at all inclined to think, as Norris sort of alluded to uh, a couple weeks ago, that, okay, but how much of this is down to the car being just vastly superior uh, and it not being really that fair competition, which is a totally fair point. But this was a race where the car wasn't particularly good. Nothing went to plan. Um, the guy just was had... Out of- Pardon? The zip co- His teammate was out of the zip code. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. guy just had, like, he kind of, this was kind of a master class for him. Because, first of all, he had, midway through the race, he already had this incredible spider sense for what the state of play was going to be and what the right strategy was going to be for the rest of the race. Um, and then to bring this thing around and pick up all these positions required such consistent and incredible like seat of the pants flying and such mm-hmm. like fine command over the car like a lot of good drivers couldn't were not handling those conditions particularly well and they were struggling to make their way through the field um this was 
you know, at times maybe the season has seemed like it's come a little too easily to Hamilton. This race win was incredibly challenging and uh, really did kind of give him that championship win with a bullet. Yeah. Your Apostopoulos comparison was when he told his engineer to remind Valtteri he had blue flags so he could get past him. We didn't get it. Oh, my God. Oh, man. That was brutal. Like, Valtteri just having the worst race ever. And now, like, try, not, like, not coping with the embarrassment well by ignoring blues. Oh, it was not great. Yeah. Rough. Oof. Well, that's Turkey, everyone. Lewis Hamilton first. Sergio Perez, uh, another podium in his closet uh in second place sebastian fettel in third charles leclerc just outside the podium in fourth place carlos signs working his way up to sixth place max verstappen ends the race in sixth behind him is albon in seventh norris gets up to eighth lance stroll who started on pole used to do poorly on saturday and well on sundays but this weekend it is flipped um rob you pulled some quotes here from race fans um thank you for doing that Stroll told Sky after the race he was at a loss to understand his difficulties with the tires. Quote, I don't know what happened. I don't understand. We had so much graining on the first set of intermediates. We decided to pit. We were losing seconds a lap. And I don't know where that graining came from. It just happened instantly. Uh, He had been 10 seconds ahead of his teammate earlier in the race. Quote, we started the race on full wets and I put uh, an inter on and I was quite far up the road. It grained again, massive graining and no pace. So we have to look into it. It's pretty terrible today. Uh, His uh, team principal, Admar Safnauer, says, quote, it was tough to judge the conditions, but we made the right call to switch lanes to intermediates rather than wait for slick conditions that ultimately never arrived. We need to look into why Lance struggled so much with raining on the new intermediates because that prevented him from joining Checo on the podium. Yikes. Oof. Oof. Between, between the lines there. Does this team a, like him? It's not, I know, right? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo rounds out the points-paying positions in 10th place, followed behind him are Esteban Ocon, Daniel Kvyat, Pierre Gasly, Valtteri Bottas in 14th, Kimi Raikkonen, George Russell, and then the DNFs. Kevin Magnussen, I think, was a late DNF. Roman Grosjean, Nicholas Latifi, and Antonio Giovinazzi. Norris also scored an additional point for setting the fastest lap of the race. Wow. Nice work. Yes, indeed. Uh, here we are with the driver standings. Lewis Hamilton has clinched the World Drivers Championship for 2020 with 307 Record. points. 110 points behind him, Valtteri Bottas with 197. so happy. We Yes. Um, by the way, uh, 110 points behind that would be, what, 87? Um there are one, two, three, four drivers within that window. Mm. Uh, Max Verstappen's in third with 170. Sergio Perez is in fourth with 100 points, even. Wow. Charlotte Claire's got 97. Danny Rick has 96. Then another close battle for seventh place with Carlos Sainz with 75, Norris with 74, and Albon with 70. Pierre Gasly's in 10th place with 63. Lance Stroll's got 59. Uh, Esteban Ocon with 40. Sebastian Vettel's got 33. Daniel Kvyat with 26. And you guessed it, Nico Hulkenberg holding strong in 15th place with 10 points. <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi are tied with four. Roman Grosjean's got two. Kevin Magnussen has one. And Nicholas Latifi and George Russell still have zero. Nada. In Constructors, Mercedes has 504. Red Bull's got 240. 
Uh, Racing Point in third with 154. McLaren close behind with 149. Renault's in fifth with 136. Ferrari in sixth with 130. Then we've got Alpha Tauri with 89. Alpha Romeo with eight. Gene Haas and team with three. And Williams with the goose egg. Yeah, good good weekend for Racing Point in the constructors for sure. Um, and then also Renault kind of slipping a little bit out of there um, at the moment. Uh, we'll have to see. The next race is going to be very telling because there's so little points you know nobody's winning those races probably the next three although you know maybe i shouldn't say things like that with the season we've had speaking of seasons let's get into the news what's first up here daniel o'dwyer sure uh, we talked a little bit about how formula two and three were sort of uh, splitting the difference on the uh the, the support races. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, something that's going to fill in some of that gap is uh, W Series, which we've covered a bunch over the past couple of years. They will su- be supporting F1 races uh, at eight different races in 2021. Uh, w Series being the uh, women's open wheel um, uh, season series that was set up. I think this will be its third series um, set up to effectively tr- attempt to get uh, super licenses and points and exposure for the litany of talented open wheel uh, women who tend to not break into the sport uh, for a litany of uh, reasons. Um, The couple of quotes here, uh, the two championships are yet to be confirmed which races a W Series will appear at. However, the reorganization of F1's feeder series F2 and F3 leaves ample room for more support races at events. Uh, While the two will move from double to triple header events in 2021. Um, They will no longer appear at the same rounds next year. Uh, A couple of quotes from some of our favorite drivers. Valtteri Bottas says, I think this is a positive thing and it's an interesting series and I think now more people will know about it and will be able to follow it. Um, It should be followed like any other women's sport. It's many times underrated and it's actually really interesting to watch, but there's no coverage, so I think... That's a really good thing. Um, and Hamilton, his teammate, says, I raced with Susie, uh, referring to Susie Wolf, who I think was such a great talent and I remember how tough it was for her, just witnessing her being in what was perceived as a man's sport. Uh, the sport does need to do more. Uh, Hamilton said, more opportunities for women are needed from karting upwards. Uh, he quote, uh, quote Hamilton here, I think WC is a good step in the right direction, but I think that needs to transcend all the way down to karting. I don't know what karting is doing, but there needs to be uh, more females, more girls in karting, but more opportunities to make their way up that class. And then another little note on this, uh, the Saudi race, which we talked to a bunch, uh, bunch about last week, um, the motorsports chief for that race wants one of those eight races to be done in the new Saudi Arabian uh, street circuit. Uh, Quote here, I would love to see a race or host them in Saudi Arabia. Um, I know there are eight rounds and hopefully will be one of the lucky countries to host them in Saudi Arabia. For us, in the last two years, we are really promoting women and especially women in motorsports. Uh, So this is something that we would love. Uh, We would like to inspire our locals. We would like to bring them these types of events and we would like to see more ladies or more women racing in Saudi Arabia. Um, that feels like a fucking Pandora's box to get into, Rob. I mean, this is uh, like this race is probably going to be sports washing. Comments like this are also part of sports washing and 
putting on a good show of uh, opening the kingdom to more reform, more quality down the road that may not necessarily reflect an actual commitment from those at the top to open society uh, that way. That being said, um, this was one of the arguments made in its favor uh, was, was that legitimately because there's kind of this bubble of, um, greater quality, uh, greater opportunity that forms around these races that, that happen in Saudi Arabia. Uh, it does create space for conversations to happen and for women in Saudi Arabia to see things and take part in things that otherwise they would not. And that should not be denied, but neither should we get completely, uh, you know, moonstruck by this and, and, and say that because Saudi Arabia will is encouraging, uh, a W series race at the F one race that they're, that they're hosting, that that actually reflects, uh, you know, some kind of meaningful step toward real reform, uh, and real equality there. But I, I do think it's interesting watching, uh, this get more of a like greater placement on the marquee. I think Hamilton does kind of put his finger on something important though, uh, which has kind of always been one of my reservations about W series. Um, it's a cool thing, but it, in many ways, it is a cool thing that exists because at every other stage of the pipeline, uh, there is tremendous systemic bias uh, against promoting women within motorsports. And so, like, I hope W Series, first, it would be awesome if W Series becomes a really, like, popular competitive series in its own right and shouldn't be judged just on whether or not it has delivered a uh, woman into F1. But also, it shouldn't mask the fact that W Series exists in part because across the board in motorsports, from the lowest levels to the highest, um, very few women are given the, sh- given the shot to uh, occupy the 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 really important positions I like behind the wheel. It's a, getting a little better in the garage, but um, it's, it, it's still, it's still striking the degree to which motorsports is kind of out to sea on this. Yeah. There's sort of a, a parallel initiative um, by the FIA called girls on track, which has been going on uh, for the last few months. We, we haven't reported on it cause there really hasn't been much news besides cause they're basically like, they have a, a group of women and they're kind of narrowing them down a lot like they did with W series um, uh, with like on track tests. I think this is all happening at Paul Ricard on track tests, mm-hmm. media interviews to see, um, you know, how well they can do with uh, interview questions and, and, and sponsor stuff, that kind of thing. Um, and so they're they're whittling it down to to one uh, driver who will then get a, a seat in the Ferrari driver Academy. And I believe a seat um, in a Formula Four car, I think um, mm. the winner will get. Um, but again, we haven't we haven't um, mentioned it. We ho- had hoped to mention it uh, the the winner this week, but I think they were delayed for COVID reasons, perhaps. So hopefully, uh, we'll get uh, some kind of update on that um, in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I so. do love the prize is getting to join the Ferrari Driver Academy of the youth programs in F1, the one kind of renowned for failing to actually deliver drivers <laughs> opportunities in formula one. Um, that's, that seems not great. Like I think, you know, 
if it were if it were maybe the Red Bull development program, now that's an opportunity because they yeah, it's like it's like Darth Vader's Star Destroyer over there. Like you get you get a woman in that position, she's gonna drive an F one. Uh because yeah. Horner's gonna kill half a season. whoever's in front of her. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do, does anyone want to drive this Red Bull car? Anybody? Man. Look. If Luigi and Guido could hear you, Rob, they'd be very upset. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, uh yeah, we like Absolutely. Uh, there, there's a very good chance that that when women do get a shot in F1, uh, like through a driver's academy or or whatever, it's a very good chance it will be a total glass cliff situation where it'll be mm-hmm. a team where it's kind of like ah, things are going well. So who gives a shit? Um, but it would still be better than what we got right now, which is that with the exception of like the odd test day offered to uh, women drivers. Uh, there's there's just not much opportunity. But this is like what Hamilton is saying is there yeah. he would like to see some sort of carting level grassroots movement. And that, I think, is what the Girls on Track initiative is trying yeah. to do. Um, so at least there just is in a kind of reality TV format. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> this yeah. is the real mission winnow. Uh, gotta <laughs> narrow it down. Can't have too many girls uh, getting the girls on track. No, I, I I don't mean to shit on it, but I th- I'm I I do think these things tend to, uh, when you when you have this kind of systemic issue, um, these kinds of who gets the lucky golden ticket, mm. always gonna uh hit a little bit differently. Uh, come across mm. a a little bit, uh, just feel a little bit off. With- yeah, and I think that's why I always liked W Series because it didn't have that like because the problem with that type of initiative or that that type of end result is that you're effectively baking in the idea that this is an other, that this is an exception to the rule, right? That like, oh, there's one. We're gonna get one of these individuals in, and that they'll always be in the minority. Whereas what I liked about W Series right from the off was it was like, nah, it's just it's all women. Like yeah. that's that's what we're gonna do. It's, it's F two with ladies, basically. And yeah, it's exactly. Like, that's cool. Yeah. 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 I was good, but Bottas was right. It was hard to get access to some of that stuff, and, and you know, I think it's this is it. This is probably what they wanted from day one was to was mm-hmm. to get in front of people. And the like races this. are good. Um, yeah, they've been they've been good. They can be bad, like F one, uh, sure. and they've also been super good as well. Uh, there's a it, it does remind me of like F two and F three, where there's a there's a much bigger disparity or you know difference in quality between the drives as well, which makes for interesting races. Uh, moving on, Rob, what's this about safety cars? Yeah, um, this is probably not hugely important news, but it is going to be a noticeable change on track, which is that Mercedes is not going to be the sole safety car supplier in Formula One. They are going to be splitting time uh, with Aston Martin, and you'll see an Aston Martin out there uh, lead, leading the field under safety car. Uh, this is not, I don't think it's been formally announced, but Autosport uh, were running the story as a nearly confirmed uh, scoop. So we're kind of just waiting on the official announcement if it hasn't dropped uh, by the time you've, uh, you hear this. Uh, one thing to note is that it's not like Mercedes and Aston Martin have gotten very cozy. And so to a degree, this is, this is not like Aston Martin, uh, you know, stealing a little bit of Mercedes thunder. It does appear that according to Autosport, like these two companies are increasing their level of uh, 
investment in one another. Mercedes has a massive stake in Aston Martin, but they're also increasing their areas of technical cooperation. So this is becoming one of those things where um, it's not, it's probably too much to say that Aston Martin is becoming just an alternate mark of Mercedes. Uh, but at the same time, this is definitely a brand that Mercedes is opening to developing a little further and giving it this kind of exposure is part of that. It seems like everyone is kind of pulling in the same direction in terms of trying to give Aston Martin a big splashy entrance to Formula One. Well, speaking of uh, unconfirmed reports um, that are nevertheless being reported, uh, Sao Paulo is set to keep the Brazilian Grand Prix until at least 2025, according to motorsport.com. This is a story we've been following for a little while um, as the there have been rumblings that Rio... Uh, will be hosting the Brazilian Grand Prix and uh, deforesting a lot of uh, forest to be able to do so. Um, but apparently, according to the Sao Paulo governor, Joao Doria, there's no way that's how that's pronounced, says, quote, <laughs> I'm proud to reveal that F1 has just renewed a contract to hold the Brazilian Grand Prix until 2025. The Interlagos racetrack has been confirmed as the venue for the next five years. The contract will be signed by Mayor Bruno Covas and Liberty Media, the rights holder of F1. So, yeah, we have just renewed a contract and the contract has yet to be signed. So, I guess watch this so space. Paper, paperwork's in the mail. Yeah. Should arrive any day now. Uh, fantasy standings here. We have uh, had a knockdown, dragout fight in the uh, Shift F1 official fantasy league, which you can join with the link in the show notes. Uh, number third, number third, third place mm. for this week uh, from the USA, Duak Romeo. Don't know what that means. I uh, hope I'm not saying something in another language. Um, number two from the UK, uh, Murray Walker's. Pickled onion, spelled like oh PK. Yeah, you don't have to explain that one. <laughs> <laughs> and number one from Canada, seven-time world champion Team oh, LH. Can I explain? I may, my, there's actually a hidden joke in that Maury Walker. Is there? Wa- Walker's is a is a potato chip in the UK. Uh, so there's a p- pickled onion okay. flavor. I'm not even sure if there is a pickled onion flavor of Walker's, but pickled onion is also a flavor to of potato chip in the okay. uk so uh overall fantasy standings number three black lives matter from america from canada number two planes weekly and also from canada number one fittingly my heart will grow jean man he had a shit race but then lots of people did <laughs> <laughs> should we take it to some emails danny Let's do it. ShiftF1Podcast.gmail.com or F1.cool slash emails. This first one comes in from Scott. He says, a few weekends, my wife decided to watch part of the race with me a few weekends ago, presumably. Um, She was obsessed with the sponsorships on the cars and the fact that she had never even heard of half of them. (laughs) She's come to a realization that I feel like I never have, even though this is very true. I've also never heard of these. Um, uh, He goes on. I realized I had no idea what these companies were either and decided to make a list. Clearly, it's not comprehensive, but I assembled a Google spreadsheet on it. I have linked the spreadsheet. Gentlemen, you can go there now and try and pick out some favorites. Um, He, Scott himself, has picked out some of his favorite highlights. Companies that sound like Rainbow Six subtitles, Dark Trace and CrowdStrike, which are both (laughs) uh, tech companies. (laughs) They both sound like evil tech companies. Um, Companies that have ruined my internet search history, DP World... (laughs) 
which apparently is a shipping logistics uh, company. What exactly they're shipping is maybe up for some more research. You should Google that, everyone. Um, companies that are definitely a scam. Uh, My World, uh, which is a small W for M and a capital uh, W for World, mm-hmm. which is related to the MLM company. Uh, iTime, uh, which similarly has the same sort of camel case, lowercase intro letter uh, that sponsored the 2018 Austrian Grand Prix and Iconic, spelt I-Q-O-N-I-Q, all caps, which is a fan engagement platform, whatever that means. Uh, and the About Us picture, uh, sorry, the About Us is a picture of a casino, uh, Monte Carlo and Monaco. So <laughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> uh, I did some... Of, uh, uh, some graphing here with the uh, associated spreadsheet. Um, okay. Technology, the category, uh, uh, is 19.8%, followed mm. by fashion, which is 132 Surprising. Um, automobiles, not surprising, 10%, 10.4. Uh, then oil, 94 Okay. <laughs> Uh, then financial, 6.6, and then uh, a lot of smaller ones. Auto parts, 8.5. Food is 7.5. Um, home electronics, uh, alcohol, insurance, hotel, manufacturing, chemical, shipping. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you avoid uh, one of the categories he has here is scam, which I think is... <laughs> <laughs> may not be an official category. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, maybe yeah, So I thought that was fun. Thank you very it's much uh, uh, for sending that in, Scott. Uh, Drew, do you want to take this one from Stephen? Yes. Uh, Stephen writes, Hey, all. Had a bit of an interesting Netflix find recently based on our old friend VJ Malia with a series called Bad Boy Billionaires, colon, India. It's similar <laughs> to CNBC's Dirty Money or a financial true crime series. Uh, the biopic, The King of Good Times, <laughs> highlights the downfall of the VJ <laughs> empire. Uh, VJ Melia, by the way, is uh, the guy who used to own Force India, uh, which has now become Racing Point. Without giving away any spoilers, uh, Stephen continues, in essence, VJ overreaches and mismanaged a capital investment. Along with his flamboyant lifestyle, it leads him to taking on massive debt and then dragging his F1 team into the mud with claims of money laundering and eventually the folding of the team due to its debt on the books. The F1 team is mentioned sparingly, and not enough in my opinion, but is still covered with an appearance of some old B-roll from our friends Nico Hulkenberg and Sergio Perez. While the whole Force India F1 team administration and the Stroll Racing Point takeover drama has been in the rear view for a while, the VJ saga is still interesting and helps paint a bigger picture of how the F1 team, Force India, folded and went into administration. It certainly helps to fill in the gaps uh, before a drive to survive covers the team's future during administration. Thought it would be a good watch for some background knowledge, especially for those into true crime type shows. In the end, it was an interesting watch getting insight not only on VJ himself as a person, but to learn what led to the Force India team name disappearing. Thanks as always. Big fan of the show. Keep up the good work, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. That is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, check that out. That sounds fun. Bad boy fun. billionaires. I don't know. Interesting, maybe. The, yeah, the king of the king of good times, VJ Malia. I do miss seeing him around. As that one owner, he didn't seem bad. Like, his business affairs went to hell uh, and eventually turned that situation into a bad one. But in terms of, like, running a good operation and being a decent team owner, um, he seemed 
You seem fine. Use no rich energy. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for the emails. You can also hit us up on Twitter at ShiftF1 Podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That's at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. Let's quickly, Danny, race around. The Let's world. quickly race around the world. That was it. Thank you. Very quick. Um, no problem. Quick because there's not a lot. The World Rally Championship <laughs> is in uh, Ypres in Belgium. Ypres. Is that nice. how we're going with that? Um, MotoGP is in the Algarve Ooh. for the Grande Primo de Portugal. Uh, Motocross Grand Prix is at, um, well, they're in Argentina somewhere. Mm. Via La Ang- wow. Ang- Ango- Angostura. Is that where they make bitters? Mm. Uh, and the Royal Rally Cross Championship is at Spa for the Spa World RX of Benelux. We're getting Man, down yeah, to it. Yeah, let's hit up those Benelux countries, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg. Yeah. <laughs> We've got uh, uh, a week break, and then um, we'll be back in Bahrain for a double header. So tune in next week for our pre-race uh, for the first of those uh yeah the thoughts? first pre-race danny that was this it yeah we're we're, we're having a sort of an, an elongated middle eastern uh slowdown here we usually get that one race to finish it and we're kind of going to be out here for, for the best part of a month um and i usually feel a bit sad when we get to this point this year has been completely bananas mm-hmm. uh uh, there was a time i said there wouldn't be any f1 races boy <laughs> have i been proven wrong over and over and over uh, and I couldn't be happier for it. And yeah, Bahrain can be a decent track. Um, should be interesting to see what it's like uh, this time of year. Indeed. Rob, final thoughts? Yeah, uh, looking forward to it. And this is the one we're getting in in two formats, right? This is the one where That's you get right. the, uh, the regular Correct. race and then the outer oval that is not an oval at all. But apparently in motorsports, like, eh, it's pretty, it goes around the outside of a thing. That's an oval. I, I, uh, I want to call it the outer rim. That's way better. Yeah. yeah. The border world. Uh-huh. The the Outer Outer Rim Grand Prix brought to you by DP World. Uh all right. So <laughs> yeah, I, I mean I'm I'm excited to see the back-to-back uh Bahrain races. Well, if you'd like to support this weird show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, <laughs> you can do so over at patreon.com. OnlyFans.com. <laughs> Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow. <laughs>